All of the music that you'll hear on today's podcast is from Clarice's YouTube channel, where she has made some play-along tracks for practicing the home. We have links to her channel in the show notes. Welcome to the Brazilian Beat, episode number 87 with Clarice Cast. Join us as we get to know the Brazilian percussion music-making community one interview at a time. Hello, this is Diana. And hi, this is Courtney. Welcome to our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I am so charmed by Clarice. This was a really fun one. Yeah, she's really sweet. It was, it's nice to meet somebody new. I'm, I wasn't really yeah. familiar with her, and so it was great to hear her story. Yeah, yeah, she's she's very cool. Very. Clarice Cast is a multi-percussionist from Sao Paulo, Brazil. She earned a bachelor's degree of music from Northern Illinois University and a master's in world percussion from the California Institute of the Arts. She is an active performer, recording artist, and composer in Los Angeles, California, and is a regular clinician at colleges, universities, and percussion festivals, including the Percussive Art Society International Convention in 2014. Clarice is heavily influenced by her native Brazilian culture, and it has been her driving force to learn, perform, write, and teach these styles. Clarice is Vive Brazil's musical director, which is Los Angeles' premier Afro-Brazilian dance company. She is currently finishing up her first Pandero Method book, which will be available soon. Clarice proudly endorses contemporanea percussion instruments, tycoon percussion instruments, and ahead armor cases. It was This was a really fun chat for us to have, so we hope you guys enjoy this. Before we get to the podcast itself, folks have asked us how they can support this podcast, and thank you very much for asking. There are several ways. You could tell your friends. You could share our uh, social media information. You could give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever pod uh, player you're listening to. And you can join our community of support at co-fi-slash-the-brazilian-beat. And we'll have that link uh, listed on our episode. We appreciate everybody who's joined our community of support. And a big shout out to you folks. You know who you are. Yeah, thank you so much. So again, if you all have the means, please consider supporting HMO Solidario. It is a program put on by Sheena Duastasio. He is helping generate funds to buy food for members of Batarias in Brazil who are suffering from this pandemic because they don't have work. He's providing food and toiletries, really basic things like soap and and uh, pasta, beans, oil, and yeah, oil, stuff like that. Yeah. So if you have the means, please consider donating to Hichimo Solidario. It's a fantastic program about, it's like $15 and 50 cents will feed a family of four for um, two weeks. So please consider making a donation to them. We will have all their information up on our website. And thank you so much. Um, someone, Bruce Ogilvie sent me some money again this week to send to them. So, Aww. so awesome. Thank you, Bruce. This podcast is also brought to you by gosamba.net. If you need drums and gear, straps, mallets, sticks, tambourine baquetas, go to gosamba.net and check it out. We've got everything you need at gosamba.net. And uh, just another plug, we do this all the time. I just wanted to mention that, like, uh, please support your musical teachers out there, especially in Brazil. Uh, as you know, it's certainly a very hard time 
everywhere, but especially there. And the health situation seems to be getting worse. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, people need to stay at home. Fika in casa, everybody. But uh, please support your teachers. They're working from home. So many of them have developed some great courses out there. Um, mm-hmm. Gabriel Policarpo, our friends Duetto, um, whoever, just look them up. Uh, they are willing to teach. So please do so. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Diana, good evening. How are you doing? Hey, Courtney, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. Who do we have on the podcast tonight? Tonight, we are speaking with Clarice Cast. Welcome, Clarice. Well, thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, we're very, very happy to have you. It's always nice to have a, a woman on the show. Yes. Wow. Tell us about, um, you're from Sao Paulo, and you've come to the United States and studied music, and now you... Um, you play and record and you have a, a cool YouTube channel. Um, can you tell us about where you grew up, what it was like, um, like where in Sao Paulo and, and your first introductions to music? Yeah. So I was born and raised in a city of Sao Paulo. And although we moved a little bit, uh, I lived in different cities in, in Sao Paulo state for a bit. And um, just, yeah, my, my family liked moving around, so we just moved a bit. But um, my neighborhood in Sao Paulo is Tucuruvi. It's in the north side of Sao Paulo. Um, and, yeah, growing up there was, you know, interesting. There are lots of really good things, and Sao Paulo is a really fun city, and um, there's a lot of diversity in everything, including music. So I was always exposed to a lot of, different types of culture, different types of cultures inside of Brazil. Um, But I went to public schools my whole life. So I didn't really learn music in school. Mm. Um, I started teaching myself pandeiro when I was about 11 or 12, just because I was curious. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, Out of nowhere, I just had the desire to play pandeiro. And <laughs> cool. yeah, um, and but I didn't have a pandero, and there was no internet, at least not in our house. Uh, internet existed, but I didn't have it, <laughs> we didn't have it. So, <laughs> what it was, were you using as a pandero? I would use like paper plates or um, mm-hmm. notebooks, or uh, yeah, anything that I could hit basically <laughs> that wasn't super heavy. <laughs> Um, but yeah, but, um, eventually, um, my grandma gave me like 20 reais for my birthday and I just knew exactly what to do. I got a pandero. It was a gigantic 12 inch pandero with like the the body of the pandero was acrylic, you know? Oh, Mm -hmm. the really heavy kind? Oh, yeah. And the head (laughs) was this uh, Brazilian flag, uh, you know, Brazilian flag. It was was just a plastic head with a Brazilian Uh flag on it. And that was the most precious thing in my life. I slept with my pandeiro. Oh. It's not a good, it doesn't, it's not a good cuddling 
thing. <laughs> I don't recommend. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was, that's how I started, you know, just being curious. And then I just really loved the Pandero. I don't, I still don't know why, but it's just such a big part of my culture, you know, I think that's mm-hmm. why, but I mean, out of all the instruments, I don't know. I just thought it was so cool and I wanted to learn it. What were your, um, what would you use? Would you use samba or what, what, what kind of things or shoru or what were you playing to? So when I first started, um, the, the, really the biggest goal was to be super loud, uh, when my sister was playing soccer for her competitions. <laughs> so I would bring my pandero oh, cool. to her games. Yeah. And it didn't matter what I played. It was just, let's be as loud as possible here. Um, but I started teaching myself uh, how to play samba and partido alto and capoeira rhythms. Those are the first mm-hmm. things. And, you know, in Brazil, a lot of people play music and play percussion just for fun. You know, even even though we don't have a lot of music in schools necessarily, especially in the public school system, everybody's really musical. So every time I brought my pandeiro with me, there was always someone, oh, let me, let me show you this thing and let me show you this mm. one thing. And it became cool. it became this like uh, just communal instrument, and people were just happy to show me different cool tricks that they knew. Yeah, cool. And eventually, though, when I was a teenager, I realized I needed a teacher. That I I, I hit my limit of how much I could just learn by myself, you know. And mm-hmm. it was really hard for my mom to, you know, add on any extra expenses you know in in our budget but um because i'm the fourth kid we are four kids and she was raising us alone so um you know i just told her look mom i i feel this strong need to learn music and i know it's really difficult for us and you know that meant signing me up for private classes you know private lessons Mm -hmm. um but she my mom is um one of my heroes. And she said, you know, if this is what you really want and you're going to be serious about this, we're going to find a way. And that's what we did. So she signed me up for drum set lessons, although I really needed to do a combo of percussion and drum set lessons, but yeah, that's how it all started. Oh, that's a beautiful story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm really thankful. I'm really thankful. Cause I always got my, my family's support, you know, um yeah yeah it's um it wasn't as popular in brazil to see female percussionists around um when i was growing up and i honestly when i was playing i didn't really notice it that much that Hmm. i was that it was not quote-unquote percussion wasn't for girls (laughs) um But throughout my experiences, I was told a lot, (laughs) but I just Mm -hmm. didn't believe them. I didn't, I didn't think that that was the case. I think percussion is for anybody who wants to play, (laughs) you know? So I kept playing. (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting. You're like, how could you gender a (laughs) pantero? I know. If anything, we all know that you shouldn't cuddle with it. But other than that, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I mean, it's for anyone. (laughs) Even if you want to cuddle with it, though, you know, this is sure. If that's your thing, cuddle with your pandero, no problem. No judgment here. <laughs> Nobody will know. Yeah. Um, so how did you end up at, you went to school at Northern Illinois University. Can you tell us about, how did you get to the United States? From- yes. Um, 
Yes. Yeah, so I mentioned my sister who uh, played soccer, right? Because uh-huh. um, so her name is Raquel, and so Raquel um, was invited, was recruited, really, to come to the United States um, on wow. a soccer scholarship. And I was still a kid um, in middle school when that happened. And so, um, yeah, she's always a phenomenal soccer player. And um, soccer, female soccer in Brazil is not, wasn't, or it is, it is better now, but it wasn't really um, well valued when she was uh, playing. And when a coach from the United States saw her playing, recruited her to move to the United States on a scholarship and, you know, go to college, she didn't think twice she just took the opportunity you know and um as i was you know growing up and finishing up school she was uh in elgin illinois it's a suburb of chicago she was going to college over there and then when she graduated from college um i was in brazil uh going to this public music conservatory called um at the time it was called uh, Universidade Livre de Música, which is f- mus- free music university. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a program from the state of São Paulo, and you know you can study music for free, but it's very it's very com- uh, competitive to get in. Um, and I was lucky enough to get in. It's a different name now. Um, I can't quite recall the name, but if it if I do remember if I do recall it, I'll. I'll tell you before this is over, but it changes with the government. So pretty much any time that there's a change in government, that they change the names of the public oh. institutions a lot. Yeah. Huh. So so anyway, I was I was already done with high school. I was going to this uh, public conservatory. It was amazing. I was studying Brazilian popular percussion. It was I was having uh, the greatest time. I was playing with a lot of different ensembles. Um, I already had decided that I was going to become a musician, you know, because I just thought as a kid, I got to play music and people were paying me for that, even though I barely knew anything. I didn't think there was anything better in the world, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, I get to have fun. I get to meet great people. I get to play music and just enjoy life and get paid. I mean, yeah. sign me up, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But at the same time, I missed my sister a lot. And she said, mm-hmm. why don't you come up to the to the States for just a year to learn English? And you can stay with me because now I'm done with school. I have a job. You don't have to worry about rent. We can stay together. Just come up with enough money to pay your English classes. You'll be all set, you know. And I thought that that was a great offer. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's been 15 years. <laughs> Uh, nice. That one year, um, they, I really didn't speak any English when I moved up, and I was just my intention was to uh, stay a year, learn English as well as I could in one year, and then go back and finish that conservatory. But um, I ended up not going back. Um, and once again, what kept me going, learning English the first year was really difficult. But I I went to Elgin Community College for my um, for my ESL classes. I had mm-hmm. a great experience there. I used to bring my pandeiro with me every day and I would mm-hmm. go to the music area of the building, use their practice rooms. I promised myself I would play at least half an hour of pandeiro every day because I missed playing Brazilian music so much. I missed mm-hmm. my friends. <laughs> I missed mm-hmm. playing yeah, samba and sure. playing shoto. 
Um, so that's what got me through the super cold winter. <laughs> the, you know, feeling oh yeah, homesick. it's super cold. Yeah, yeah. And at Elgin Community College, I met. Um, this amazing professor there, Steve Butters, and he was the percussion professor. And uh, I decided to stay a second year, you know, just because I felt like I didn't really know English all that well after a year. And on during that second year, I took some percussion classes to learn mallets and to learn timpani. You know, I hadn't really been exposed to Western classical percussion Mm -hmm. before. So I thought it would be a good thing to take some of those classes and, you know, also uh, to keep on studying percussion. And Steve told me about NIU and he said that I should really consider applying there because they had a great music program and they were open to many different styles of music and not just Western classical percussion, which is really common in universities, which I didn't Mm -hmm. know. Um, and at that point I, I, you know, I was really not interested in staying any longer, just mostly because of the winter and how much I missed playing Brazilian music, but because I really liked Steve and he was such a good teacher, I decided to do the audition just for the experience Mm -hmm. and I got in and they offered me a great scholarship and it was just hard to say no and move away from that. And, you know, and yeah, it was really one thing after another. And I played everything super basic. I had just learned enough marimba to play a simple four mallet solo. I played the never had never played any timpani solo. I learned just for the audition. And then I did a snare drum solo. And then I played a pandero solo. And then they got, I basically got in because of my pandero solo. I'm pretty aware of that. <laughs> yeah. So, oh yeah, so I guess we kind of skipped a bit then. So you went from playing and learning from your friends and then in, yeah. in Brazil as a mm-hmm. kid. And then, so when, how did you start playing out and getting paid and then got into the, um, the public conservatory in Sao Paulo? Yes. I just want to jump, jump back a little bit. I know we jumped a bit. Um, so, you know, I, my mom signed me up for those private lessons, for private drum set lessons. And mm-hmm. I took lessons drum set and music theory and um recorder actually we (laughs) were required to play the recorder at this conservatory it was really fun um my family would disagree with me but I had fun playing it um um, and you know I was there for a couple years and um, we knew of uh this public conservatory it's really well known and um and I was close to finishing high school, um, and I wasn't really ready to go to college. Um, and so I decided that, you know, applying for this public music conservatory would be a really cool thing to do. Um, and I applied, and I, you know, there's an audition process, and uh, you're usually competing for a spot against, like, 400 other people because it's – like I said, there's not a lot of, there's not really music in public schools, you know, so when there is a, something amazing like this, you're learning music from some of the best musicians in town for free, you know, it's an amazing program sponsored by wow. the government, but that means competing against everybody, 
Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I think that sometimes I go back and forth believing in luck or not, you know, the whole concept of luck in a situation like this, I really think I was lucky because how can you tell the difference between me and 400 other people? You know, it's a matter of luck at some point there. Uh, I was lucky enough to get in. And so after high school, I was there for about three years. And in that conservatory, I met, there are all kinds of people. There's some like really young people. So you can study there at any age. So you can be a child and be learning music there. You can be, you know, an adult. It, it's for everybody, anybody who they feel um, fit in in the school. Claudice, is that ULM? Is that what it was? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. That, those are the letters, yeah. Uh, but at the time, I also think it was called Centro de Estudos Musicais Tom Jobim. So right. they changed it to pay homage to uh, Tom Jobim. Uh, and then it now changed again to the name that I can't remember. There's a different name. <laughs> it's funny they keep changing it. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. So um, when I was studying there, I got to be in ensembles with a lot of amazing people who are already professional musicians. And that's when I got invited to play with a, uh, a lot of people. I had no idea what I was doing. Honestly, I felt like I barely knew how to play music. <laughs> Um, but I was being invited to play gigs with people, you know, and, and I always say that music chose me, you know, because maybe I think people maybe were, maybe people were seeing something in you that you weren't seeing in yourself. Oh, a (laughs) hundred percent. I have no no doubt. (laughs) No doubt. Um, I was also, You know, there's a grumpy side of me, but at that time I was super friendly too, because I was so happy to just be studying (laughs) something that made me happy. Music always made me super happy, you know, and um, I didn't really like my school life, like from elementary school, middle school or high school. That wasn't really interesting to me. I just, I would go and I would do what I needed to do there, but it was not really fun for me, but music was fun. And so you know, I think a lot of my muse, muse, uh, um, my colleagues in a music school got to see a side of me that they liked because I was having fun, you know, so I got a lot of invitations yeah. for that too, for that reason, I think, yeah. you know, um, definitely. Yeah. That makes for a good performance too. Like when you see somebody playing that is obviously enjoying it. Yeah. I mean, what else is more like, uh, like magnetizing than that, you know, like, yeah. That's just fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I some of my best friends um, are musicians, and some of my best friends who are still in Brazil, I made in that in my time at that mm-hmm. conservatory. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, I does that answer your question? And how the like yeah. to, to yeah. fill in that gap of those years there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were. Um, then uh, going to school here mm-hmm. at Northern Illinois. Yeah. What, what what did your music program entail? Oh, so much. It was amazing. So there was a steel band. I loved the steel band. I played <laughs> bass <Cool>. bands. <laughs> um, my, I did too. Did you really? I played the bass. I did, yeah. Where? 
Oh, uh, it was called Southwest Missouri State University at the time, and they I was a percussion major for a couple of years, and I played the bass pants and the very, aren't, very small steel pan band at the time. Aren't they the best, yeah. though, because they can play and dance? Yeah, yeah, and exactly. Because I've, I honestly, I, if, I think my second choice of instruments would have been the bass, and mm. I didn't learn the bass, mm-hmm. but I learned the bass, you know, because mm-hmm. it was the bass pan. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the coolest. Mm-hmm. I remember just spending, having like no time to try to learn all these marimba and xylophone solos and things, or not solos, but things I had to learn for the percussion ensemble. And just looking at those, those higher pitched, um, pan drums and just being like, I don't have time to figure that out. <laughs> I was like, give me the bass because it's easy. <laughs> I hear you. I understand. I understand that. Um, but he didn't the- understand the layout of the, all the notes. I was just like, this doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't, but it does, but it doesn't. Yeah. I hear you. The fun thing is when I was at Eugene community college with Steve Butters, you know, that teacher who told me about NIU, there was mm-hmm. a steel band at ECC and I was already playing bass there. Mm. And so <laughs> it was sort of like, um, I remember playing, I remember my first rehearsal, uh, feeling super lost with Steve. And then there was a break. It was a band from the community, you know, it wasn't, uh, it was for credit, but yeah. most of the students were just there for fun. They didn't need the credit. And I remember he gave us a break and then I kept on practicing, feeling like, oh my goodness, I have no idea what I'm doing here. And then Steve got in the room and said, hey, hey, take a break. We're going to go over this a thousand times. You're going to get it. Don't worry about it. And I was feeling super stressed out, feeling like I was letting the band down, you know, because I wasn't playing my part. (laughs) And Steve was just the coolest, like, no, man, relax. It's going to be okay. (laughs) So then I took a break and, and just you know, chatted with friends, made friends with the little English I knew. But anyway, NIU, amazing program. So the steel band, um, both my mentors at the time, Cliff Alexis and Liam Teague, amazing mentors, amazing, became amazing friends. And um, Cliff Alexis passed away a couple of years ago. It was um, obviously really sad for all of us. Um, but I'm just so glad I got to meet him and be around him and just learn from, uh, I mean, not just music. Cliff is just uh, one of those people who inspire, just inspire you to be a better person, you know? Mm. Um, so, yeah, that was a really good thing. I, I'm really happy that I got to be a part of the NIU Steel Band. Um, and the program is amazing, you know? Um, it's one of the few programs in the world where people can get a, uh, both a, um, a BM and a, a master's in music in steel pan. So, oh, um, oh wow, yeah. So there are a lot of people from Trinidad and Tobago who come up to study at NIU so they can get a you know a university degree in the oh, instrument that's great. that they. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's really awesome. And um, and that it's um. At the time, I got to study with Robert Chapel and Greg Beyer, also amazing teachers, uh, very different teachers, which was amazing because, you know, we all learn in many different ways. And I feel like I became a better percussionist. And now I feel like I'm, I can teach for all kinds of different learning styles because I, I was exposed to their teaching styles. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so uh, we did a lot of 
the regular, you know, Western classical um, education, you know, of learning orchestral excerpts. I can never say that. Excerpts. Excerpts. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, You know, large ensembles. uh, And I used really big and jazz ensembles as well. I wasn't much a part of it, except for when they played some Brazilian tunes and they invited me as a guest. (laughs) Um, Percussion ensemble. uh, There was... um, uh, Brazilian percussion ensemble that sometimes I helped out with. Um, uh, there's all kinds of really amazing things going on at NIU. Um, were there other Brazilians there at the, when you were studying? So when I was there, there were two other Brazilian music students, um, but one of them, and both of them were doing their masters there. Uh, Camila, she was studying viola and Kachina. Um, she was a composition major, I believe. Kachina is, uh, I'm still friends with both of them, but Kachina also lives here in LA and we've been friends since. And we were always there for each other, especially in the super crazy winter months and mm-hmm. helping each other proofread papers. And uh, mm-hmm. she would help me a lot with harmony, you know, understanding like music theory and harmony because she's an amazing pianist and composer and I would help her a lot with her papers in English and all of that (laughs) so um (laughs) yeah we had each other's back a lot but Camila graduated uh really soon after I got in there and and so did Kachina actually and so it felt a little bit empty for a while there um and then at some point I think another a couple other Brazilian students uh Julio, I believe, was there for a few years when I was there. He was a guitar um, major. And then Gabriel, I think he was there for also his master's, a piano player. Um, but, you know, uh, my time there, there were no other Brazilian percussionists. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was the only one. And were you still living with your sister? No. <laughs> At the time, you mean, or now? Yeah. No, no, not now. At the time. <laughs> At the time I was, um, uh, well, technically I was, but um, I also lived, I lived on campus. I had this amazing uh, scholarship, private scholarship to live at a dorm called University Plaza, which is a separate from NIU, but it's basically inside of NIU. Uh, they had this performing arts scholarship for uh, anybody in the visual performing arts um the uh, school and I got that scholarship four years in a row <laughs> you have oh, to apply wow. every year yeah so I lived on campus but I would spend the weekends at my sister's house it was about 45 minutes from DeKalb mm. and we joke a lot because I would always bring my laundry you know <laughs> and I would spend summers <laughs> with my sister I used to joke with my sister that when I was rich and famous I would buy her um set of uh red washer and dryer it was like a <laughs> it's an inside joke and she was like come on, man, if you're rich and famous, you're going to buy me a washer and a dryer. Shouldn't you like be, be getting me something cooler? <laughs> um, <laughs> one of these days, there, there will be a, a red washer and dryer at her house. Uh, no explanation. And she will know. She'll know what happened. <laughs> yep. I'm rich and famous now. Look at me. It's official. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they, uh, my both of my sisters live in Illinois. My and my mother is there as well right now and my brother. Oh, wow. um, nice. Yeah, she came up uh, um, in 2019, I think, because my sister Raquel was having her second kid and um, she, my mom was 
gonna be it wanted to be here for you know for the birth and then COVID hit. Oh, so uh, yeah. <laughs> so everybody's staying put. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And my nephew's already a year and a month. Yeah. The second oh, one gosh, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. That's how long we've been doing this, y'all. Look at us. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Here we here we sit. Yeah. So what happened then after you graduated and you also got a master's at California Institute of the Arts? Um, was that directly after you graduated? Yeah, I can tell, Courtney, you did your homework. You read my bio. Good job. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I, I found what I could find out there on you. I stalked you. I ended oh, up stalking no. you. <laughs> oh, no. That was good work. I mean, I don't put a lot on the internet, you know, just enough. Um, (laughs) Well, um, it is ClariceCast.com, so it wasn't hard. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. You made it it easy. (laughs) Fair point. I am branding myself. That sounds so weird. But yeah, 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 it's my website. Good job. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So yeah, so after NIU, I took a year break. I um. You know, I uh, got here on a student visa, and I was on that visa since my ESL classes all the way until I was done at, uh, with uh, with my classes at NIU. I graduated. And with a student visa, there's something called OPT, which is optional practical. Pract- I can never say that. Practical, practical. Thank you. Training. I don't know what it is about that word. Thank you for... Sure. (laughs) Helping me, y'all. It sounds sometimes like I'm a native speaker, but I'm not. It's a lie. (laughs) Okay. So OPT, that's the name of that thing, which means I can stay in a country for a year when approved and work in the area that I studied. So I stayed. Ah. Yeah, I stayed in Illinois playing music and teaching. And then after my OPT was my potato was about to expire. I was trying to decide if I was going to go back to Brazil, if I was going to do grad school. And I applied to a bunch of different schools for grad school. This time I applied for more than just one school. <laughs> when I applied at NIU, <laughs> it was just NIU, <laughs> you know. Um, and then I came to California to visit CalArts. And I had heard of CalArts. I had heard amazing things, especially uh, my mentor there, Randy Gloss, who's an amazing percussionist. He plays percussion from all over the world, and he's an amazing pandero player, amazing tabla player. I think um, Amy, Amy Molinelli. Do you know Amy Molinelli? Oh, I know Amy. Oh my! Yeah, she talked about him when we interviewed her. Yeah, yes. Amy also went to Cal Arts. Yeah, right. Yes, yes. But different years. We didn't. I got to meet Amy, but not. I mean, she had. She had already graduated from college when I was there but you know everybody was like oh do you know Amy Molinay yes I we had known each other <laughs> online but then we eventually met and she's amazing she's awesome we got to play a few yeah, gigs together great. one of the oh, cool. last times that I played before COVID was actually just watching her in uh, uh she was playing a house concert in Long Beach with uh Brazilian guitar duo and she invited me over to just play and sit in with them Oh, with um, I know who you're talking about. Edinho yeah. and um, yeah, he's Rogeri. really well known. Yeah, Rogeri, Rogeri, yeah. Souza, yeah. Yes, thank you. 
names sometimes don't you know <laughs> come as quickly as we <laughs> want them to but yeah so that was an amazing that was the last time I saw Amy uh we talked afterwards but yeah I, uh, Amy's amazing and um yes she studied at CalArts and um so you know CalArts had always this I always had this on the back of my mind like CalArts sounds amazing it would be so cool and uh, my friend Katina, <laughs> I know, right? It's sunny, it's warm, it feels a little bit more like Brazil. Uh, yeah, so my friend Katina was already living here. Um, you know, the one that I met at NIU doing her master's, the one that I helped mm. with English and she helped me with harmony and stuff. We kept in touch all these years and I came to visit her and play with her group. Uh, she invited me to just come visit and, you know, hang out and play and um, and then I ended up visiting CalArts too. And just before applying, just, just went and visited. And uh, I just can't explain what happened, but I knew that I needed to go there. And it felt like I had already been there. You know, one of those mm. times, like, it feels, um, it sounds really like really spiritual because it, that's the only word I can put into this experience. It was just like, whoa, this, there's something powerful about this place. And it feels like I have been here and it feels like this is the right thing to do, you know? Mm -hmm. And then after I got home, um, I started my application process, not just CalArts, but to all of the other grad schools I was considering, um, and um, I got accepted. I got to meet Randy that time I visited. And he already knew about me, you know, in the, our Pondero community. He had heard of me. And I just felt like one of my heroes have heard has heard of me. This is just, <laughs> what is this? Thank you, Internet. Thank you. I don't even know who to thank. But that was so bizarre that he knew who I was, you know? <laughs> Mm -hmm. And he just told me then, he said, I, we're going to do everything we can and hope, you know, hopefully you can study here. And I uh, had to hold back my tears <laughs> of just feeling super emotional. I just, you know, pretended I was tough. I was like, sure. Yeah. We'll see what happens, Randy. <laughs> I'll see if I consider you as my teacher. <laughs> you know, <laughs> mean, meanwhile, in the back of my mind, I'm just like this super, like, crazy fan teenage girl yelling like oh my god Randy, I got this I'm gonna come here you know but you know in the surface I was like yeah Randy sure thanks for your time have a good day <laughs> um so yeah but I got accepted in many other schools but I just knew in my heart I needed to make CalArts work and yeah so I um started CalArts in 2013 and I graduated in 2015. It was a really amazing program. Uh, I think it was really what I needed to do, one of the best decisions I've made. Um, there are a lot of sacrifices, right? I, I had five different jobs on campus because as an international student, with inter an international student visa, you can only work on campus. You can't work outside mm -hmm. of campus. So mm. I worked a lot when I was there on campus. I was an RA my second year. I even put out a fire on the dorm. That was really cool. <laughs> I saved the day, basically. It's what everybody told me because the dorm is really old. The building is super old. And uh -huh. um, oh. and there's this really funny thing that happens like alerts <laughs> because the alarm, the fire alarm goes off all the time. And we are so used yeah. to ignoring it. Are you all familiar <laughs> with this? Oh, it yeah. seems like a thing on college campuses. There's always like 
fire alarms going off and the mm-hmm. dorms are evacuating and then there's yes, nothing. That's but the people thing. actually evacuate the dorm, huh? Like how large everybody ignores it on the main bu- the main <laughs> building or the dorms. They are just like, oh, it's just a false alarm because it always is. <laughs> Except that one time that it isn't. Yeah. <laughs> It's big time fire and I caught it right at the beginning. I was not supposed to be in my room, but I was. And then I smelt the fire. I opened the door. I already had the fire extinguisher in my hands. Wow. Yeah, it was it was good timing that I was there. And and then was we had the hallway or where was it? It was in the hallway right outside of my door. So one of those oh, wow. um, hand sanitizers dispensers that has uh-huh. like uh, they have a battery that battery operated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we came to find out that they sometimes um, catch they on fire. Catch on fire, <laughs> and the battery. There's a problem with the battery, and the alcohol is right next to the battery. Right, mm. right. It's flammable. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, sounds yeah. like a flaw design. A design That's a flaw. <laughs> yeah. At first, I thought it was some kids like being funny and setting it on fire because I, you know, I saw some kids right. running the other direction, but. Then with more investigation, they figured it out. It was the dispenser. So, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> you know? Wow. Weird. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's it's just, it makes for a good story for a podcast. Look at that. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then after CalArts, I graduated and I did another OPT, optional practical training. Look at that. The second time around is better. <laughs> Gee, yeah. Good job. Just needed some ha- rehearsal. I sometimes need to slow down some words and then they come out, you know. It's just like, you know, when you're playing notes and you're playing the marimba solo and there's that little spot that you got to go a little bit slower just so you get through it. You know. I'm glad to hear somebody else does that. <laughs> of course. You you know. Yeah. Anytime. I can. I'll be the first one to admit. <laughs> um, but then I apply for a an artist visa, which has a funny name. It's for... Um, People with extraordinary abilities, and that could be. Oh, is it the P? The P O? It's the O one. The O, yeah, cool. You got you, nice. Yeah, according to immigration, I'm extraordinary. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that just means that could be in the arts or in the in literature, uh, any field really. Uh, A lot athletes. of film actors and stuff do that one, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, cool. So, and, you know, since 2016, actually, because I did that one year of OPT, I've, I've been in L.A. with that visa and mm. working a lot and, you know. Great. Playing music, teaching music. Yeah, it's been really good. Are you doing mostly private lessons or what, what does that look like? So, since 2018, I've been working for an Afro-Brazilian dance company in L.A. called Viver Brazil. Mm-hmm. And we do all kinds of pr- different programs. There's a lot of teaching, a lot of performing. Um, we um, uh, perform once a year at Disney California Adventure for one of the parades they have. Um, this is all speaking, you know, prior to COVID. Uh, we are still running a lot of different programs online through the through the Viva Brazil. Um, so our mission is to teach dan- Afro-Brazilian dance and teach and perform and really share the culture of Afro-Brazilian dance and drumming. Um, and we are really lucky to have 
uh, an amazing executive director. Her name is Giovanni Washington, and she's just um, a beast at writing grants. So mm-hmm. we are really lucky to have a, a, amazing grants that you know we are able to keep going with a lot of our programs online. That's great. Mm-hmm. What year did you become the musical director of Vive Brazil? So um, I believe it was 2019. Yes, summer of 2019. Um, I don't know about you all, but I feel like 2020 didn't really exist sometimes <laughs> in my memory. It's, it kind of yeah. feels that way, yeah. Yeah, so it's been almost two years. Um, but I've been performing with Vive Brazil since 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's amazing. You know, one of my favorite things, uh, I think this is always going to stay with me. Um, we were performing at Viva uh, Viva Navidad Parade at Disney California Adventure. And our cast is mostly people of color and uh, for our dance company. But then there's a mariachi ensemble. There's a ballet folklore of Mexico. And then there's um, Disney cast members, you know, the not just the characters like Mickey, Minnie, Dono, Zacarioca, uh, Panchito, and, you know, the flag um, parade people from Disney. So it's a large group. But as mm-hmm. we're parading out, I see this little girl on her dad's shoulder and this, you know, little African-American girl, and she's on her her dad's shoulder and she says, look, daddy, the dancers look like me. And Aww. it was the cutest thing i i had to hold back my tears in that moment because representation matters so much yeah so so much and at that um that time i was myself and uh we like to call giovanni our executive director now dr g so dr g and myself were the only the first female percussionist on that parade and one of the first in the entire park. And in my mind, I'm thinking too, if any girls are seeing us right now playing, I hope this matters to them too. You know, I hope they they see themselves. They see that they have a choice. They have a, you know, they can be dancers. Of course, they can be whatever they want to be, but (laughs) representation is so important. I mean, I'll always have that memory of that girl being so excited to see herself. Uh, you know, yeah. at Disney. Yeah. That's lovely. Especially in a place where it's so focused on the princess ideal, you know? Yes, totally. It's all about the princesses and, and aside from the, the skin color part of it, but just the, all the girls are princesses and need to be rescued. And then, you know, here you guys come. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we never, we will never truly, I sometimes wonder what, you know, what impact my drumming could create in the world. Honestly, we will never know. <laughs> it's, it's a hard thing to measure, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, so I, what I do know is that I'm going to keep on being myself and keep on drumming because that's what brings joy to my life, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as the impact, we won't know. I was lucky enough to he- overhear this girl saying that to her father. And um, I, it happened so often that especially people of color were so excited to see us there, to see people mm. who looked like them. They would wave mm-hmm. 
like extra for us and be so excited and so happy. Um, but, you know, honestly, we, we don't know the impact of that. And you're right, especially in a place like Disney, right, where historically has always been, you know, the image of a princess and and they have a certain look and they have, you know, that image of needing a prince to save them. And um, it's changing, right? So it's good news. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. Claudia, I have a question about the um, repertoire you guys do in VB. Um, a lot of it's based on um, condom blade rhythms. Is this something that you were doing before or did you kind of get into it um, while you started working with the group? So here's a funny thing. <laughs> um, if we can go back to my times in Sao Paulo, right? Sure. Um, I was having a great time at Weliemi, right? Play, playing, learning Afro-Brazilian music already. My teacher there, his name is um, Ari Colares. I love Ari. He's a wonderful teacher. And he would teach me a lot of Afro-Brazilian music then. Um, he was an exception because... A lot of other people, a lot of drummers who are in the part of the candomblé tradition, when I asked them to share rhythms with me, they would deny that just because I was a girl. Hmm. Um, it's, you know, in candomblé tradition, men play the drum. Women do other things inside of the tejero, you know, but mm -hmm. women are not allowed to play the drums. So many of them, many Oguns, many people from the Tejero would not want to share any knowledge with me. And at that time in my life, I, as a teenager, I just got so pissed and upset and just angry, really angry of not understanding why they wouldn't share this with me, especially because it's being a woman is not something I can control. Uh, it's just who I am. Right. Uh, and I didn't understand, like, this is just knowledge. I, I just want to drum. I love drumming. <laughs> I got so mad at it that I just, for the longest time, I just didn't want to do anything with it. Just like, uh, fine, then I don't want to play this, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but in my heart, I always wanted to, and I always knew I needed to learn more. So mm -hmm. although I had a really solid base background learning from Ari, um, I didn't really go deep into it just because I had this uh, resentment of feeling rejection from some people. Sure. <laughs> it's mm -hmm, it's just yeah. a choice, right? Like the same way that I could choose not to teach, I don't know, choose not to teach, I don't know, someone how to ride a bike. I don't know, like different things, right? But um, to them, it's they were not re disrespecting me. They were, in fact, respecting their own culture. To them, it was... A priority and I can see that now but at the time I just mm -hmm. got mad <laughs> you know <laughs> and lately I've been learning a lot more and really going diving in deep so Vive Brazil has been a wonderful school for that I learned so much from Vive Brazil and from Badaró he uh, really has no Badaró is Vive Brazil's um, founder and artistic director alongside mm -hmm. with Linda Eugene they're both founders and artistic directors of Vive Brazil and Badaró mm -hmm. has been always super generous with sharing his knowledge with me. And I'm so appreciative of that. He never, he never cared. <laughs> so, you know, there are other people that just, just because I got a few, you know, negative answers from some people back then, it doesn't mean that everybody's against that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, it takes a few years sometimes to learn your lesson. That's, that's the message here, kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And so, you know, now lately I've been really digging deep and learning from different people, different masters. Um, and one cool thing about the pandemic is that I got to have a few lessons with Ari. He, he, Ari lives in Brazil, in Sao Paulo still, and we got to reconnect and we had some, uh, uh, I took some, you know, lessons via Zoom with him. It was so cool. Nice. Um, he was kind enough to tell me that I looked the same. And I said, oh, Ari, it's just the computer camera. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, and, you know, um, but Vive Brazil really is, uh, the, our repertoire is heavily uh, Afro-Bahian manifestations. So that's mm-hmm. the Candomblé tradition and all the uh, music and dances of the blocos Afro, like uh, Samba Hege, Samba Afro, Ijexá. Um, so Capoeira is a part of our show as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, all of all of those amazing um deeply rooted, you know, Afro-Brazilian styles of music and dance. Of mm-hmm. course, it's dance and music, actually, <laughs> because it is yeah. a dance company. Are you teaching like private lessons on the side and doing Zoom lessons and all that? Are you yes. doing that? I have been doing private lessons um, from time to time. I also do group classes. Um, I do some workshops. Uh, my friends at Ash, Asheville Percussion um, sometimes teach me to do, um, sometimes invite me to teach some Pandero workshops and Brazilian rhythms with them. It's been really cool. Um, cool. You know, it, I don't have to fly over there to do all of that. So in a way, there are good things about the online, everybody being ready for the online mm-hmm. situation, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I sometimes also work with some friends in um, Utah, a percussion, um, capoeira school over there. They invite me to do a series of workshops. Um, yeah. And, and teaching through Vive Brazil as well for some of those programs for teenagers and, um, yeah, middle school, high school, elementary school students through, through the nonprofit. Right on. Yeah. Well, we will put your, um, links up on our website when this episode comes out so that people can, when people want to get in touch with you and take lessons, they can, they can find your information there. Yeah, absolutely. I'm always happy to. Yeah. I, um, I've been, um, giving workshops a lot and, but private lessons is definitely something that has been keeping me occupied as well on zoom, you know, and sometimes throughout the year I've had some private students, local private students that we were able to meet at a park but only mm-hmm. when the numbers, uh, you know, were a little bit more right. controlled. Yeah. It's been a learning curve to do the whole Zoom, teaching percussion on Zoom, just because of the lag and all of that. So when we have a chance to meet in person, both it's it's just nicer for both of us, just me and my students, right? But um, yeah. 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 But there's certain happy. things you can't learn on Zoom, like, you know, sort of the what exactly is that supposed to sound like, you know, so you can try to map what the teacher is showing you, you know, like there's know. Some the nuances are, are lost. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm still thankful for the technology, but I'm looking forward to just being back in person whenever possible, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. 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 
Totally. I'm just, I mean, especially Brazilian music, you know, it's really, it relies on the ensemble. It relies on the combination of a bunch of drums together. So it's really hard sometimes to just imagine what it would feel like to be in a bateria or, you know, yeah. um, and there's nothing quite like it, <laughs> you know, the energy, both of the drums and the people oh, together. Yeah. You all know that. Yeah. 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 Totally. So, see, you have a, youtube channel that's um gaining ground right now can you talk about that yes <clears throat> excuse me yes thank you for asking uh so i've been really putting a lot of time on that channel for a number of reasons one because i have more time now i'm not driving everywhere in la <laughs> um mm-hmm. and also because i felt uh the need to um keep on drumming um and you know because we can't all get together I felt like it would be important to provide, uh, really provide a service for m- other people who might be feeling the same way I was feeling. So I have one series for um, Afro-Brazilian percussion where I play the agogo, the le, and the humpi. So the three accompaniment parts on the candomblé rhythms. Mm-hmm. And I play that over and over again for about five minutes. So if somebody, if anybody's learning the solo part of the hum or, you know, the lead drum they can then play along to that and keep on practicing so um because i cannot get together with my friends right now and keep on drumming like that or play for the regular dance classes live like i used to um that's what really has been keeping me going i basically play my own youtube videos for myself as i practice the rhythms (laughs) Uh, so that's one uh, and also for people who might be wanting to learn the basic parts, it's um, it usually pretty simple to follow if you've already had experiences with Afro-Brazilian drumming. And the other one is a series that I started um, on Pandero Basics. So I started this that this year, and I'm going to be posting, and I have been posting every Monday, uh, some type of exercise or some type of basic rhythm on the Pandero um, just to also keep me motivated in practicing and playing. And because I have a lot of students who sometimes ask me for videos and, you know, so that's also on my YouTube channel. So little, uh, super fast clips of Bandero exercises of different styles. Those are great exercises. I mean, they're kind of working a lot of different aspects and, and techniques that you need. Yeah. I've, I I like those, those Pandero basic ones a lot. Nice. Did you get a chance to play along? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And you've got all you've got all the music written out, so you can see, you can follow along yeah. while you're playing. If you read music, you can follow along, and yeah, definitely. You definitely don't need to read music, but if you do read music, it's yeah, it's right. one thing that I that I like to add there for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And are you then getting good? Oh, I was just going to ask, are you getting good feedback on those? I'm getting really good feedback. Um, I've already gotten um, a few people uh, a few people just reaching out to me because of those videos um, for workshops or for interviews. Hello. Hello, podcast listeners. <laughs> <laughs> um, and a lot of people asking me for a Pondero Method or an e-book, electronic book that they could get mm, their hands on. Cool. Because they see the you know, the, the written music there and it's coming everybody. It's almost ready. I promise (laughs) I will let you all know when it's ready, but I'm just getting a few details done. Um, but yeah, I'm going to be announcing that book really, really soon. 
So stay tuned. Please yeah, get my book cool. when it's ready. <laughs> yeah, and we'll link to it. Um, put stuff on our social media as well. Thank yeah. you. You know, mm-hmm. it's just over 20 years of playing this instrument that I love so much. And the Pandero has opened so many doors for me. Uh, you know, it was my first instrument. It's the one that uh, people really seem to love when I play. And it's just, I'm just so grateful every day that I get to play Pandero. And I don't sleep with it anymore. I've learned my lesson, <laughs> but I could if I wanted no to. Cuddling. No cuddling. No <laughs> cuddling. Please don't cuddle your Panderos. Um, or do. Again, no judgment. <laughs> Um, and you know, because I really honestly just, Pandera really is the reason I play music and I will always be grateful for this amazing instrument. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, when did, how did you become, uh, sponsored by Contemporanea? I mean, what a dream come true. Let me tell you. Um, (laughs) so, um, I, when I was studying at Ueliemi, the contemporaneous store is literally next door to the school. They share a wall. They share the buildings, share a wall. And I used to go there all the time. And every Saturday morning, they had a shoto jam. And um, and then that turned into a samba jam afterwards outside, outside of the store. So the shoto jam was inside the store. It usually started like around 9 a.m., mostly for the older folks and then people like me <laughs> who would just love Shoto. Uh, and at the time, Shoto, uh, Shoto das Tres, you know, the three sisters that play Shoto, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they were, oh my God, Elisa was a kid, a tiny kid. She used to wear this overalls. There's a pocket in front of her and she would carry her Barbie dolls inside of it. <laughs> oh my God. It was amazing. And yeah. I, I'll never forget that. Like, oh, Elisa and her, like, baby, like her, her Barbie dolls, you know, inside her overalls and already playing like a beast, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we became friends then. And we, I mean, I was there almost every Saturday playing a lot. And I knew, um, you know, I knew everybody from the store. And then um, Arnold Genio, right? Yeah, on Arginio. Yeah, he's there. He's still there. And um, so Miguel, you know, he 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 used to be the owner. Um, and then um, his nephews took over. But yeah, he uh, unfortunately passed away a few years ago. But it was just a really awesome community of people. And I was always there bugging them and playing every Saturday, being, you know, being my happy self. Remember, I used mm-hmm. to be happy then. <laughs> I'm still happy, y'all. I just now I, my grumpy side sometimes takes over a little bit longer than I wanted to. Um, but anyway, and um, I kept in touch with them online. And from time to time, like I would go back to, whenever I went back to Brazil, I would go to the store and get some instruments to, you know, bring over. And, um, and they, they still remembered me, you know, and um I think through social media, you know, I kept on posting some videos um one day I got a message from uh, Roberto, you know, he, mm-hmm. he's one of the owners now. And he mm-hmm. just asked me if, um, you know, I could share uh, my, my WhatsApp that he would have somebody contact me. And the artist relations person contacted me saying, well, we want to, we want to send you a couple of panderos as a gift. Are you interested? And, you know, holding back tears. Oh, sure. Yeah. 
<laughs> I'll take your pandeiras. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, they wanted to just be kind and, you know, send a couple of new pandeiras that they were, they were making. Um, and then, you know, because of all my history with the company, they, they just were kind enough to start a partnership with them. Um, and, you know, knowing my history and they kept on following what I was doing and, yeah, and I, I feel really lucky. It, it was, um, it's really recent. It's uh, since this summer. Um, mm. Yeah, it's going to be a year soon. Congratulations. But yeah, That's thank really you. Cool. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I've always loved their instruments. Um, I was constantly playing contemporary instruments at Disney when um, we last performed with Viva Brazil, you know, um, in 2019 was the last time we were there. And um you know, always sharing pictures with them and uh, because they, you know, it's a big deal to them. They, they, they are proud to see their instruments being played all over the world. Mm -hmm. Um, So I always kept that going to, you know, making sure to tag them and thank them for their instruments. And so it goes both ways, you know, it's, it's, um, uh, I really love their instruments. I've always played contemporary instruments and I'm also very grateful for the space they provided to so many people, you know, a lot of people used to go to those shoto and samba jams and, you know, it's a part of our upbringing as musicians and yeah, the work they do is amazing and they support a lot of different musicians, a lot of, um, yeah. you know, educational yeah. programs. It's, mm-hmm. they're amazing. It's an amazing company and I'm really happy that, um, that I have this partnership with them now. Yeah. Yeah. Our, um, both Courtney and I attend uh, California Brazil camp and a lot of the, not a lot, but there are artists who uh, Roberto works with, you know, getting them here uh, to teach like uh, Douglas. Uh, why can't I think of Douglas? Alonso. Alonso. Yeah. 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 Uh, Douglas, he studied with my, he studied at Wellemi too. We missed yeah. each other, but yeah, he was he was already a legend back then. He's amazing. He's, He's incredible. Really. a monster. Yeah, we interviewed yeah. him as well. Nice. He's very unassuming. Like he he's is. such a monster, and he's just so like genuine and kind. Yeah. Yes, he's yeah, one he's of really the kindest great. players I know for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's always been a monster though when it comes to playing. Oh, man. Hmm. Yeah, I'm a big fan of his work. <laughs> Yeah, he's great. Well, Clarice, you've done a lot of stuff and played in a lot of like performances and situations. What's been your ha- one like one of your happiest moments um, playing this music? Oh man, it's really f- interesting to think of this. I feel like every year I have amazing highlights to share. That it's just, I mean. It's hard to just pinpoint one moment, you know. Um, I feel like it's, ever since moving to the United States, every every time I every chance I have to play Brazilian music and be on stage and share this music and the audiences are just happy, I just it makes me so happy, you know, because mm. um, you know it's a I'm not American, right? <laughs> I'm Brazil, clearly Brazilian and. Uh, just knowing that I can be Brazilian, I can play Brazilian music in the United States and still feel really welcomed by the community. It just, it just is amazing. It is a privilege, you know, um, it's hard for me to pinpoint just one moment. I I'm just really grateful for all of it, you know, being on stage and just, 
sharing music with audiences that to some of them that might be the first time they're listening to Brazilian music or they see Brazilian music live, you know, or even the smallest of gigs when, uh, you know, for some reason, like, I don't know, there, there'll be this interaction post show that a lot of people come and say, Oh, I really love the tambourine, you know? And, (laughs) and it's just, if I have the time, I will go on, it put on my teacher's hat and just say, actually, well, this, thank you. Yes, it is a part of the tambourine family, but uh, in Brazil, we call it pandero. You know? But who cares? That person really was there just to say how much they enjoyed the music. Yeah. And most mm-hmm. of the time I just say, thank you. And I also thank my pandero, you know, <laughs> um, in my own mind, I thank my pandero. And, but yeah, I don't know that I can just choose one. I hope that's an okay of an answer. Of course. Yeah. I have a question for you. Yeah. Do you still do you still have that first pandero? Oh man, I don't. Oh. I know. <laughs> I wish I did. You know, I the first time I moved here, I I had to sell a bunch of instruments to um afford my ticket and mm-hmm. I he, that that pandero was one of them and if I could go back in time, I would have kept it. But I know exactly what it looks like. It was big <laughs> and ugly and it sounded and awful and heavy, but it was the best thing in the world. Oh. Yeah. I wish I had that old pandero. It would be amazing. I have plenty more right now, though. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> I have more panderos than anybody needs, I think, except that I will say I have a really good friend, amazing pandero player, Tulio Araujo. Mm-hmm. He Tulio. has a problem with. Okay, here he says he has over he has hundreds of panderos because he teaches. So kids need the drums. <laughs> but I always say, really, really, Tulio for the kids. Really, are you really gonna say that? Um, so I know some people who have a more more panderos than I do, but you know I still think I have way too many, and it's I'm always grateful that you can keep sending me more. No problem. They are all different in their own way. It's like snare drums. Ask a drum set player. If Mm -hmm. their snare drums, if they need one more snare drum, they're always going to say yes. Or another cymbal, they're always going to say yes. Yeah, they've got one in mind. Yeah, yeah, it's the same for panderos. You can't change the sound of those jingles, you know? My husband's a drum set player and... um, I'm sorry. And and has uh, gotten really into tabla. And so like we've got, and like repairing tabla. So we have like it ton of tabla now amazing <laughs> They're all over the house but it i love hearing it when i go to bed though because it just lulls me to sleep oh yeah it sounds great <laughs> yes. yeah you know i got into tabla a lot too at niu and at cal arts and i also oh, fixed cool. tabla oh cool. what was up with drummers wanting to fix their own drums right <laughs> right that's hilarious i'll have to tell them yeah well, Clarice, is there anything that um, you would like people to know that we didn't ask? Hmm. Oh, man. I always feel like this is the one, one of those things that at two in the morning, I'm going to think of something super cool to say. <laughs> oh, no, I should have. Just send us, send us a voice memo. Yeah. <laughs> we'll I, edit I will it. say that. We'll edit it in, yeah. Um, let me see. 
Yeah, when you're in the shower, that's when I remember everything, when I'm completely soaking wet and naked and can't write it down or anything. <laughs> or you fix, or you, like you win every single fight when you're in a shower. You know, you, you replay that's fights. True. That's true. And yeah. you say the, the right thing that you should have said. Yep. In- yep. I hear you. I hear you on that. Yep. Uh, let me think if that's okay. I'm going to think it just a little longer. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sure. Take your time. Or if any, if there's anybody you'd like to shout out or thank. Well, thank, I would like to thank both of you very much for inviting me, Courtney and D, uh, Diana, for having me and for being so much fun to talk to and for, you know, keeping up with this podcast and hosting amazing people and, um, or even me. Look at that. <laughs> so thank <laughs> you for that. Well, um, you're an extraordinary person, right? Well, according to immigration <laughs> and the paper, um, actually, look, check this out. I'm an alien with extraordinary abilities. Oh. <laughs> I love Does that. Mean that. You can read our minds like telepathy or something. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what you had for dinner. <laughs> I'm not going to tell anybody, though. This is just, I'll, I'm good at keeping secrets. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I wish I could read minds. Or maybe I don't wish I could read minds. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a be dangerous. We don't. Yeah. Um, yeah, I also, I'd love to thank um, all of my students who have, have been supporting me um, always. And I'm um, really appreciative of them for you know especially keeping me alive during this pandemic (laughs) um not you know mentally and financially it's been really awesome to have the support of an amazing community of people um i also would like to thank viva brazil for um you know all the amazing opportunities they've given me uh and also for helping myself and a bunch of artists um, doing, you know, these, um, unpredictable times really. Um, I think I'm really proud of us in general as humans. I know there's a lot of craziness going around and, um, but I, I really think it's amazing how, uh, overall we're really good at adapting and doing our best and helping one another. And I feel like, there has been a lot of really good and positive things that uh, exist now because of this pandemic. You know, we've been as a community helping each other out as best as we can. Um, so yeah, I guess I'm shouting out the world. <laughs> Thanks the world. Thanks world and humans in the world. As an extraordinary alien, I approve of what you have been doing for the most part. <laughs> um yeah, I think that's really it. Um, yeah, and thank thank my uh, sponsors too, uh, Contemporanea, uh, Tycoon Percussion, and um, I had Armor cases, drum cases. They always supporting me. Um, yeah, and thanks to all of you listening to this interview. I hope it was entertaining. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and and sharing your story and it's been great chatting taking the time yeah it's been really nice to get to know you a little bit thank you so much yeah it's been really nice getting to know both of you but like i said earlier 
um, if I ever start a podcast, I already have two guests that I'll come, <laughs> that I'll have over. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get to meet you uh, in person one of these days. Yeah, I'd love to. I've never been to Oregon. I'd love to visit, um, you know, either in person sometime soon or online, you know. Yeah. So we know you guys loved that episode with Clarice. If you want to learn more about her, go to our website and you can find all her links to her social media and YouTube channel um, and all her lessons. So she's teaching online lessons. So go to the Brazilian Beat com and you will see her episode there with all her links and everything so go check it out um i'd also like to and this is going to come out later but uh i just wanted to say happy birthday to our friend kyle gonzi in rio he is now officially a teenager <laughs> he's a <laughs> finally teenage, he's a teenage phenom and he's just so awesome we just love kyle and he's always putting videos out there of himself playing and he's just been such a a great inspiration for everybody I believe uh, so uh, Kayo. so thanks everybody for listening uh, we appreciate all your support take care everybody bye ciao <laughs>